MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Like, we don't have any more guests. It's just going to be us for two hours. Uh, Paul Carr later to talk with us about Euro Cup 2020. One of the two semis today. The more marquee of the two semis, Italy and Spain. Thoughts on that. Thoughts on the golden boot. Top scorer. We'll get into that definition. Uh, difference, which we uh, were made aware of yesterday to always check the, uh, not made aware of, but uh, reminded to uh, always check the wording on that stuff because those are two different things. Paul Spore on baseball. He got some DFS plays today. Also, Mark Borchard will do our mid-season deal, our Q2. We used to call this on the Beating the Book podcast, and we will put out a, a Q2 Beating the Book podcast this week with not only what we'll talk about with Borchard today, but also with Paul Spore and Jason Weingarten, which we'll do live from... Uh, uh, where are we doing it? Live from the D tomorrow? Is that where we're doing it from? Circa. From Circa. I don't even know where it is. We're doing it live from Circa tomorrow. We're doing the podcast. So um, with Borchard, we'll talk five innings midseason. We'll talk first inning pitcher performances first season. We'll talk about umpires, among other things. And, of course, uh, you know, the more macro stuff midseason as we round the bend of midseason Major League Baseball. Dan Bespris on a game one tonight of the Phoenix Suns, Milwaukee Bucks, NBA final where... We still don't know what the deal is with Giannis. Doubtful is the official wording, the official uh, sort of uh, status, if you will, for Giannis tonight. I don't know if he plays. No one does. If he does, how diminished pitch count, one would assume, on Giannis. Uh, and then we'll talk to Todd Wishnev. Todd Wishnev making an appearance today, Jason. Uh, Todd Wishnev from his mother's cork attic in uh, in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And you're asking yourself, hey, why uh, today Todd Wishnev? Because it is the, uh, I believe it's the one-year anniversary, or the day after the one-year anniversary, Parlay made me aware of this, uh, of his great earthquake bad beat story. 
<laughs> so we'll have to we'll have to rehash that for people. Todd Wishdev goes to a WNBA game and an earthquake happens. We'll uh, talk to him about that. Uh, we're going to bring in Drew Dinsick here in, in a couple seconds, and it's not often we get to have somebody on air with us while he is sweating a match that is uh, key to his 55-1 to futures play on Anjabur. But that is, in fact, what we are getting today because Jabour and Sabalenka are in the first set of their quarter. Right now it's 3-3 three to three on serve. Been sort of a serve-orientated match, as our friend Dan Weston would say, uh, thus far into it. Mukova is playing Kerber right now. I am on Kerber. Uh, I said last night on primetime action, and I'll repeat about the quarters, both women's and men's right now. From my perspective, there is no real value straight bets on any of the quarters except for two of them. One was Pliskova this morning, uh, but I mentioned it was north of a $2 favorite, so I don't know how many people had the stomach to bet it, but she ended up uh, rolling against uh, Golubic, uh 6-2-6-2, so that was correct. The other one that I'm on is, in fact, the Jabour match uh, here. I like that. And, by the way, Dan Bespris and I are oppo on Kerber Mukova. I actually think it's priced accordingly, and Kerber will get through. He actually lights, he actually lights Mukova in this one. But, but for me, Pliskova this morning and Jabour were the only two real good straight picks uh, on either the women's or the men's side quarters. There's one men's quarter that has not been lined yet because the Medvedev match has not finished from yesterday with rain. Uh, but let's bring him in because uh, he's the one. He's really sweating, Jabour, uh, who he had at 55, has at 55 to 1 from pre Wimbledon, and she has been fabulous. She dropped a set to, uh, dropped a set early to. Uh, the likes of Garbine Muguruza, then came roaring back to beat her, then did it to my girl Iga Sviatek, where she dropped the first set, 7-5, and then just destroyed Iga, 6-1-6-1. Her serve has been fabulous. Ladies and gentlemen, the host of the uh, NBC Sports Bet, Bet the Edge podcast, and of course the Deep Dive podcast as well. It is Drew Dinsick. How you doing, Drew? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me this morning, Gil. And you're right, this is a sweat. Um... This one it feels like it's going to come down to tie breaks yes. and the nerves are high here. So I can only imagine <laughs> how Anz Jabor feels in her uh, first, uh, you know, crack here at, uh, you know, really making a name for herself at the slam level, which is exciting because, you know, she's been a player that a lot of people have looked past and she's done well. And uh, it's exciting to see her finally emerge. Yeah. Um, let me take the moment to reset. Once again, it is Gil Alexander, Drew Dinsick, right here on a numbers game at VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network, VEASAN.com, the VEASAN app, Fubo Sling, Game Plus, iHeartRadio, however you're taking us in this morning. We appreciate it. So let's just rehash that for folks. Uh, you came on this show sometime before Wimbledon, like a week or two, I think, before, and you said, <laughs> uh, the only bet I have is on Shabur, 55 to 1. And she has looked as good as anybody. I know she has dropped a set or two, as I just talked about. But even with that, you almost have to say she has looked as good as anybody because the dominance that she has displayed after dropping those sets has been, like, just unbelievable. And yet, here she is, a dog, a slight dog against Arena Sabalenka, again, still on serve in the first set. Uh, you ha- Was this the match she had to get by? In other words, did you have to get to the semis before you started to play around with that 55-1 to bet? I I still need her to win this one to yes. really extract. I, I'm I'm all I'm still uh, completely um, uh, unlevered on this one. The uh, the uh, this match in particular, and really, you know, when we saw the draw after making that futures, I, I was I was pre-draw into that market, and you know, it still was a, it was a value play. I had her as the sixth ranked woman on grass in a relatively weak field. I thought really for you know just uncertain field. 
and she got drawn into the quarter of absolute misery. Yes, I mean, the, the fourth, <laughs> the fourth quarter was brutal. Yeah. It was brutal. Muguruza was in form. That was that match was crazy close. Uh, she had to go through Venus Williams, someone who she's kind of stated on the record as, you know, among her like kind of idols and, uh, you know, people that she was really kind of taken away a lot from for the sport of tennis. And then, of course, has to go through slam winner and Iga Sviantek and then Irina Sabalenka here, who is, uh, you know, on form. So it, she has had to do it all herself, which has not been. And, you know, presumably she gets by this. She's going to take on an inform uh, Carolina Pliskova. So, yeah. you know, it's 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 a. Uh, if if she kind of comes through here, this will be kind of one of the more impressive, um, uh, you know, runs of just ha having gone through the toughest opponents possible on the way to a title. If she can, if she can get it done, um, I can just tell you the way that this match is playing, the conditions, the grass is getting a little faster. We're not quite, it's, you know, the serve is starting to matter a little bit more. Um, the fact that they're uh, playing this under a closed roof, I think, is likely, uh, you know, keeping things on serve a little bit. We see a uh, first serve points one right now, 93% for Jabor, oh. eight and 90 something for Sabalinka. Like, you know, if, this if is... you had asked me to guess, because I'm obviously one eye talking to you and the other watching yeah. this, I would have guessed something like that. I'm like, this match could be over in 20 minutes the way it's going. Yes. With serve. Yeah. 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 It, well, I don't okay, it, it could go. It's, it feels like seven, six, six, seven. Yeah. Who exactly. knows? Uh, but, uh, yeah, this is going to be extremely close here. Very hard fought. And, um, you know, I, I guess what the impressive thing about Jabor throughout this tournament has been, you know, she has before this match, at least she had, um, she had been breaking in 50% of her return games, yeah. which is Huge. like that, Huge. that is an incredible number. And, uh, you know, you really saw it in that Muguruza match. She produced something like 30 break chances against Muguruza's serve. Um, now she don't, she didn't slam the door as often as I would have hoped in that one. <laughs> But she eventually comes through. So, no, it's been a super fun tournament for her. And really, the whole women's side has kind of outshone the men's side, I think, in a lot of ways. The yeah. men's side has been kind of a drag. Kind of a drag. I, I mean, do you agree? We'll, we'll leave it at this with this. But did you, I said before you, before we brought you on, that when I looked at the four quarters on the women's side and the three quarters, if you will, on the men's side, because, again, we still have uh, one of the round of 16 to still get completed, that... If I were, if you were just landing on this, so let's take your Jabor future aside. If you were just landing on this, the only two that I saw value on Pliskova was minus two seventeen. I thought that was short, uh, and and that did come through this morning. And the only other one was Jabor at plus one twenty, which I thought was value just because it's kind of a coin flip to me. Yep. All the others. Uh, even Kerber minus one forty-five. Dan Weston kind of disagrees with me on that one. I, I thought they were all otherwise appropriately lined. Did you see it otherwise? I know I agree with you 100%. These are tight. Um, these th there has been some markets that have been head scratching. I think of like uh, like the Federer Sonigo market yesterday was a weird one. Like I I have no idea why Sonigo was given any kind of market support in that spot. Uh, Federer three zero was I think I ended up on that at plus one fifty five, which is still head scratching that you would get. Federer versus a player like Sonigo on a center court <laughs> in Wimbledon uh, at uh, at plus money, but that's fine. Um, you know this that, but otherwise, I think the markets have been fairly tight. I didn't play anything on the women's side today. I completely agree with you. I, if I didn't have a Jabor ticket, I would have played her just because, as exactly as you said, this is a coin flip type of match. Um, and then on the men's side, uh, they they did end up wrapping that um, 
Medvedev hurt Gats, uh this morning. Oh, Medvedev's they did. I didn't out. see that. Yeah, he got he got uh, he got he got out of the wrong side of bed this morning. He came on court and he was a much 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 uh, lesser player than what we saw from him yesterday. Hercats, um, he's backing up his uh, Delray Beach title with a wow. little bit of a slam run here. Now I'm, and, see- yeah, uh, now I'm yeah now I'm seeing it lined Federer minus two seventy. I mean, let me I was yeah. going to get off tennis, but let me just ask one follow up question to that then. So Federer gets what I think some would say is a is a good benefit of that result. Uh, some might disagree because Medvedev has always been strange on grass, but you do get Horkats and and Federer is minus two seventy to get to the semis. Now after that, it will get a little dicey for him. But I mean, uh, I guess what I'm asking, Drew, is is there a little like is the door just a little ajar for Federer? I mean, like, can we start yeah. to are we allowing ourselves to think that this is possible that he could do this? I I have a good tennis friend. Uh, Brett, who was messaging with me this morning and made the perfect, he, I think he kind of is looking into the crystal ball a little bit, but it, it feels like, you know, Berrettini should make this final. Like he's he playing should. the best out of everyone on the bottom half. Um, but, you know, Felix Al- Alger, Aliasme, not a, not an easy out. Like he's playing, he's playing pretty gutsy tennis right now. So, you know, if, if FAA somehow pulls off that upset or just takes that long enough to open the door for Federer and Federer gets to the finals, you know, it's, it's going to give people this impression. Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe Federer can do it. Maybe he, you know, he'll finally get some support in the final. And then Djokovic could probably, is probably going to beat him like, just at just obliterate him in that final. Like it's it's obliteration. My friend uh, Brett is like the tennis gods seem fit to like ruin everyone's Sunday except yeah. for uh, for <laughs> Jelena Djokovic. So yeah, that 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 seems like uh, like how where this is going. Yeah, in in any respect, it's been sort of a success. Uh, I think even if well, I, I think at this point. Uh, getting to the quarters would be deemed a success by some for Federer here as he chases his 21st Grand Slam. But to get to the semis, I think most people would be like, wow, like he, he actually gave this a run. But uh, the only two futures I have, again, were Djokovic and Berrettini, and we could end up in a situation where those two are in the finals, and that would be just uh, splendid. Uh, obviously, it is game one of the NBA Finals tonight, Drew. We don't know the status of Giannis Antetokounmpo. Doubtful <laughs> is the status. What that means, I have no idea. Does he play? If he plays, how diminished he will be? And that's kind of been the thing, right? We just saw that with Trey Young. The Hawks were almost worse off with him in a diminished state on the court than they would have been without him at all in that particular version of him. Suns are six-point favorites uh, in game one. What do you do with this game? The the total at 219.5, what do you do with this series? How do you approach it? My read on Giannis is we won't see him until game three. Um, that would be about the timetable that I was thinking in the first place when I saw the injury. And it does feel like that's kind of where they're working him into coming back out. And you're right. When you bring uh, Trey young back out with a limited, you know, as limited as he was, that was a poor decision on the part of the Hawks. They probably had a better chance if they had just stuck with what worked for them. And, uh, in game four, uh, and, and uh, yeah, I guess, you know, realistically, this uh, this line doesn't feel right, but I'm not going to get involved here on the Bucks just yet. Uh, I think that the rest disadvantage for them is meaningful here. Um, obviously, first ever finals for all of these guys, um, except for I guess Jay Crowder is the only guy in this entire you know in the, between these two teams who's been to a finals before, uh, and that was just last year in the bubble. So um, it, this is uh, this is going to be a wide open series, I think, uh, and I think. What we saw in large part uh, with both of these teams in their last series, it took them a little bit, you know, a little while to kind of solve uh, some of the defensive strategies that their opponents had. 
Um, I would guess that this series plays out somewhat similarly to um, the Western Conference Finals, where the Suns, with the rest advantage in Game 1, get a win, probably get the cover. Although, again, I think 6 is a little rich. I would have made this number like 5.5 or 5 without Giannis. Um, and but So I'm not going to take a side here, but I can see the Suns getting, say, a 6-8 to eight point win. Uh, and then I think Game 2 is going to be very, very competitive. Uh, you probably get the best of the bucks and uh, should be uh, should be a close one. By the way, I don't know if you've watched this, but Sabalenka just blew a second match point where she had a gimme volley. So uh, <laughs> Shabor, uh, not match point, pardon, set, set point, I should say. The, the nerves are tight, man. Uh, the nerves of the, the, these players are just unbelievable what they're able to accomplish in, in just the most nerve-wracking set circumstances. But she, she blows two set points, the second of which uh, was a gimme. And so Jabour here <laughs> still trying to uh, keep it on serve in the first set. About the Bucks thing, because I agree with that. You wait... I think there's no reason. If you have conviction, you have to have pre-series conviction on the Bucks. If you do have that, there's no reason to play them on the series here. You wait for this game to take place, figuring he either Giannis doesn't play at all or is diminished, and then you would get a better price down one to nothing. But yeah. if he doesn't play, you know, because I said last night on primetime, which I did with Matt Brown, Daniel Alvari, and Kelly Bidlin, which you've been so kind enough to come on several times as well, I said you might end up in that same mindset, though, before game two as well. Because if Giannis doesn't play at all, or if he plays super diminished in game one, mm-hmm. and, and the Suns win very nicely, very convincingly, you may just be in the same circumstance before game two where you're like, well, I really do like the Bucks if they're at full strength, but there's no reason to play them now either. Can you can you do that down two to nothing? Like have that sort of luxury, or does that get to the point where you're like, well, I'm not just going to play this haphazardly now at down two to nothing because that's ridiculous? Or would you say that's still probably the way to play it? No, I, I think at two nothing, it, it, you're talking now about a four one type of series yeah. for the Suns, I, and and a ton of this is just I, I don't know that um, Budenholzer has a ton to work with in terms of not just his own bag of tricks of adjustments, but just what, you know, the players that he has down the bench, who he can go to, you know, if he's looking at his bench and he's like, okay, let's get some more Jeff Teague minutes in here. I mean, you know, this is series (laughs) over. So it's, you know, there's just, there's not quite enough, um, you know, they're, they're not quite enough in terms of sort of dynamic playmakers coming off of the bench here that could really swing this thing back in their favor. If they go home down to zero, you know, two zero. Um, That said, I think game two is probably going to be a coin flip. Uh, and I, you know, I, I, you know, I, I think, I guess I looking at the long arc here, I don't know that Deandre Ayton has a huge impact in this series that neutralizes things a little bit. Um, I think that, uh, you know, you're asking, you're gonna ask a lot of Chris Paul, a lot of, uh, Devin Booker and, you know, Drew holiday is going to be able to take one of those guys out of a lot of these games. So I think this is sort of an unders series. Um, I played the under tonight at 219. I'm not sure why the steam is pushing this thing up. Uh, this has, you know, kind of 108, 100 sort of uh, final score written all over it in my mind. Um, and so I, you know, I think you're going to get two close games in in Phoenix. Uh, if the Bucks can win game two, uh, then I think they can push this series to six. Um, but ultimately, I think the Suns are are going to c- c- you know come away here. And and the deeper this goes into the series, yes, you're going to get a healthier Giannis back. Yes, the market might continue to kind of you know come and support the Bucks. Um, but ultimately, I think uh, you know Monty Williams and what the Suns have in terms of depth and and dynamic uh, you know different combinations is is a lot better than what Milwaukee has. And so the longer the series goes, I think the more it tilts in favor of Phoenix. Three set points saved. This is a uh, this is an exercise in compartmentalization oh, from a, 
Ugh. from from uh, Drew and I. The uh, <laughs> or from Drew and me. Uh, now it's a fourth set point opportunity for Sabalenka. Uh, oh. So under is the play for you. That is what you said. Just to clarify, you like the yep. under. Under two nineteen for me tonight. Pretty strongly, if you're yeah, you you seem pretty. Uh, that seems like a pretty heavy bet for you. The way you described it, like not a heavy bet, but you you feel like it's a pretty confident one. You got to have a good edge there. Yeah, I would have played the opener. I wanted to see where it was going to go, and the fact that it's kind of steamed up now. It's a two two nineteen and a half is what you're you know you're showing here. This that you know this is a uh, you know wrong directional movement here. Oh, Jabor, yeah, fourth time is the charm. Sabalenka yeah. wins the first half. or or Drew, as I like to say it, Jabor's got her right where she wants her. Right based, where she wants her. Yeah, that's yep. based on the Muguruza and the Spiatek matches. So yeah, uh, yeah. so uh, Sabalenka does take the first set six four. After many an opportunity to convert, she finally does. Um, okay, and then the other thing is on the spread. Then, based on see, this is the it's so difficult without without knowing Giannis's status yeah. to really navigate through any of this. But when you talk about the the series spread, you know maybe the but maybe it's a Suns if if he doesn't if they're down two nothing maybe it's Suns in five if they split Bucks in six excuse me Suns in six but that's about as far as you'll go with that. So is there a play on the spread here that you would make? Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I think the two most likely outcomes here are Suns and Six, Suns and Five. Um, and uh, if you're going to give me, I guess, plus 120 on Suns minus one and a half, I think that's a completely fair way to, to attack this. Uh, I don't think you're getting a ton more value in that uh, minus two and a half at plus 225. I mean, at that point, if you have that much confidence in the Suns, you probably just want to bet them game by game. Uh, if they're at home without Giannis and they're a six point favorite, then you're going to get them at a pretty cheap uh pretty cheap spread at almost all these games. So I think, I, you know, and again, I think uh, I'm hopeful that the Suns look good tonight and that they, you know, come away with the cover. And I think a lot of that is going to be born out of the rest advantage for them. Um, but uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm keen on taking the bucks and the points in game two. Would you take the Suns at four to one exact series, correct score four four games to one, four games to two at plus three fifty and plus four fifty respectively. Would you play it that way? Hmm. Would you get? Frisky? I think you now. I now. I I, th- I I think I would need a little bit bigger price there. Okay. Um. I, ultimately, these series lines are pretty fair. Uh. And you know that this is, you know, we still haven't seen who the Suns are. Whose Suns? You know, wh- who on these Suns is going to get injured for the series? We still don't know yet. Um. So <laughs> it's right. Yeah. You know, it's still the still. Yeah, if it's if it ends up being Cam Johnson, then you know so be it. If it ends yeah. up being Chris Paul, then uh, you know maybe this changes my opinion no. in the series. It's only fair, Drew. It's only fair that way. This uh, postseason is going. By the way, my biggest pet peeve this has nothing to do with sports betting. My biggest pet peeve is when I say if the Bucks win the NBA championship, they're the worst champion of our lifetime, or if the Suns <laughs> win it, they'll be the most caveat. People are like, "There's no asterisk. You play who's in front of you." I was like, I, "No one said there's an asterisk." Can we hold two thoughts in our heads at the same time? It drives me crazy the fake outrage of people who go after that. Uh, anyway, five more minutes with Drew when we come back. We'll find out what else he's been betting as the Olympics loom and other things right here on a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. 
roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives, like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to A Numbers Game with Gil Alexander. With basketball, hockey, and baseball games every week, it's time to get into BetMGM Sports Nevada, the premier sports betting app. BetMGM has all your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM. State-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please get Gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Uh, Todd Wishnev, who's coming on uh, momentarily to talk about his uh, 
his uh, story, the Earthquake game, the WNBA, he corrects me, says two-year anniversary, not one-year anniversary, and now he's giving me play uh, shot-by-shot, play-by-play on this. Sabalenka just missed a big T drop shot. Big T, by the way, referring to himself. Uh, Sabalenka, another easy miss, seems similar to Gilly Ice. No mental fortitude here. <laughs> Todd <laughs> critiquing my uh, tennis game as having no mental fortitude. Uh, it was Love 40, Drew. Uh, and it looked like Jabor was going to break to open the uh, second set, and then not so much. And I hate yeah. being present when this is happening. I don't want. <laughs> I don't want your forget my bet. I don't want your futures bet to go down either. So yeah, falling apart at the seams here, Gil. Yeah, I don't, I don't like this. Well, let's, <laughs> let's see. Let's see what Jabor can do here. Uh, it's still early here in the second set. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, Ons can do her thing. Uh, Sablanka is a pretty. I gotta say. Say again, Sablanka. What? She's a pretty good front runner. Oh yeah, she is. She's a darn good front runner. Uh, we shall see how that goes. And uh, Kerber and Mukova, I think, I believe, back on set. But I'll, I'll check the score there. Okay. Uh, other things happening. The Olympics. Uh, you have you have come on and you have told us you've been doing deep dives into this medal count. Where does that stand right now? Did the market go with you, or is the market back to where it was when you first recommended both the U.S. and Japan's full medal count? Or gold I haven't really counts. checked because of the uh, holiday weekend, but um, last time I was looking late in the week last week, there was, uh, they, you know, they had huge limits up uh, at a couple spots and they continue to add more and more markets and um, not a lot of action so far. So uh, I think maybe we are still just far enough away that, uh, you know, people are kind of keeping their powder dry at this point. Yeah. Um, USA the, f- 46 and a half, but the under is heavily juiced at minus 260. Japan, yeah. we're talking gold medals now, by the way. It says gold medals, and then it says total medals. So which is it? I believe this is all gold. It's, yeah. It's gold. Yeah, gold medals won by, yeah. and then total medals is, is the actual, yeah. All right, yeah. 20, but, 27 and a half for Japan, the under-juiced yeah. minus 145, and then Australia, which you touched on, 12 and a half with the over-juiced at minus 150. Oh, that did come with me, because I got that at one, plus 105, so there is okay. a little bit of action there. Um, but in the Japan, you mentioned the Japan unders. <clears throat> That is one that I cannot get anywhere close to, like not even within five. Uh, I have I have no idea what exactly is going to make up this enormous difference that uh, you know is is relative to their past um, past performances at Olympics. Uh, there really aren't any um, you know slam dunk runaway sports where Japan can kind of run up uh, their medal count. And, you know, that they typically win a couple in swimming. They typically win a couple in Taekwondo. And, you know, you, you know, they kind of uh, dink and dunk, so to speak, around the different sports. That, but, uh, you know, it's not like, you know, South Korea is going to, like, sweep the archery. China is going to sweep the diving. Like, you, know, you, you know, there's a couple of <laughs> yes. specific sports where you can basically yeah. just give at Russia synchronized swimming. Give them both. Give them both. You know, you know, there's a couple like that that you can just kind of auto fire into your kind of projections here. And there are not a lot of those for karate. And I was actually trying to figure out why this was so, um, you know, so juicy here for, or, you know, why 27, why this was so high 27 and a half. Cause you know, obviously they're at home. Um, but, uh, it's not like they, you know, necessarily get a huge home, home court advantage where the judges are going to be scoring them higher because it's in Japan or something. So I'm, you know, it's a, it's a head scratcher and, you know, they added a couple of sports. They've added skateboarding. They've added karate. And I thought to myself, oh, okay, they're going to give eight medals in karate. Maybe all eight are going to go to, the, to uh, Japanese athletes. But then you break down the actual markets themselves. And Spain is favored for a couple of gold medals. I, I, Iran has, you know, Iran and 
Turkey, France all have you know different favorites across these markets. So that that uh, Japan under twenty seven and a half still stands out as a as a pretty poor number in my opinion. Yeah, and people who are like, wait, didn't you guys talk about this last week? Uh, yeah, we did because I just want to I want to keep pounding it until we go on vacation <laughs> because we're not going to be here during the Olympics here in a couple weeks. So when you first gave the under twenty seven and a half on Japan, it was minus one forty two. I bet it right then and there. It's minus 145. It hasn't moved anything, really. Right? Three cents. That's it. So um, it's there for the taking. I just don't want people to say when, when all's said and done, hey, wait a minute. There was a bet we could have made. Uh, we'll just Cor- Yeah. You want another fun one? Yeah. Korea over. Korea over 11 and a half. That's plus money right now. That's a playable bet. As we were just talking, Korea is going to win five gold medals in archery. Uh, and then you just need him to pick up a handful in some of the fighting. South Korea over 11 and a half plus 115. Yep. Gold there medals. Go. Gold medals we're talking. Gold medals. Gold medals. Gold medals. Yep. They'll get five they'll get five in our tree alone. Drew Densick, everybody, from the Deep Dive Podcast and Bet the Edge. Wherever podcasts are distributed, you can follow them on Twitter at whale underscore capper. Drew, thank you as always, sir. Hey, best of luck today. Drew Densick. On the way, Todd Wishnev. The two-year anniversary of his earthquake story. Next, numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back to A Numbers Game with Gil Alexander. Baseball season is in full swing, so it's the perfect time to work on cashing tickets every day. Our Visa experts give you all the tools to make the most of every baseball bet, including live odds and analysis for every game on VEASAN.com slash MLB and our daily members-only best bet emails. Now's the time to start your free trial and take advantage of all the betting opportunities this baseball season at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. That's VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Uh, Sabalenka broke Jabour in the uh, second set, but Jabour broke her back. So let's see if we can get this home. Kerber did get the first set, 6-2. So uh, everything going well this morning. The Jabour one will be a uh, will be a sweat. Uh, let us bring him in, ladies and gentlemen, from his mom's cork attic somewhere in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It's the two-year anniversary of his famous WNBA earthquake bad beat. To tell that story, ladies and gentlemen, it's Todd Wishnev. How you doing, Todd? Uh, I'm doing well. I mean, I've been watching this tennis, and to be perfectly honest with you, some of these ladies really need a mental fortitude check, and, uh, <laughs> you know, they've got real bad gilly-icism. It's real bad. Gilly-icism. Could you explain to people why you call me gilly-ice? Well, we used to play the Las Vegas Invitational yes. Tennis Tournament with me, Mike Palm, Jeff Parles, and gilly-ice himself, yeah. and while gilly can hit all the strokes, yeah. the mental part of the game seems to be a bit of his problems. <laughs> while he can hit the ball real nice uh-huh. you know when the point gets important he's he tends to be a little bit like a guy named maddie ice for the atlanta falcons the the king of the third and five at the 32 yard line sack to take you out of field goal range the mental fortitude seems to be the problem all right this this is a, a tweet we get tweets at beating the book this is from logic 3227 he says uh i don't know todd I think me losing that PSG bet I told you about because the player's family was being held hostage rifles your WNBA earthquake bad beat, LOL. I'll have to talk to that guy about that at some point. But explain to folks. I'll give him that. Uh, by the way, I will give him that. What, was, the, what was that story? I, 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 some story about the players, you know, exactly what he said. And hostage. I mean, that's got to be the winner, the right? Yeah. See? That's got to be the winner. If some family's being held hostage, that's obviously the bad beat of them all. Well, it is It is soccer, and it is Europe, so, yes. you know, these things, these things These things happen. That's right. These things happen. All right, so two-year anniversary, WNBA earthquake. By the way, assisted Jeff Parlay, who informed me that this was the anniversary of and got me to, to hit you up. So explain to people, 
uh, how this went down. Well, you know how I talk about the the uh, you know uncanny knack of Hashem, uh, Hashem being the uh, Hebrew word for the name of God um, in the Orthodox Jewish community because they don't talk, they don't ever say the name of God because it's too special. You have to just say the name, which is Hashem in Hebrew. Anyways, Hashem has a tendency to screw me in the worst possible bad beats possible, and I really thought. This one, and the reason you wanted me to come on and talk about it, it really takes the cake in, in all bad beat stories. Maybe not as bad as the Arizona State, you know, Yom Kippur massacre, but it definitely is up there. We'll we, save that we were, for Yom Kippur. Yes, we were we were at the uh, we were at the South Point, a bunch of the cronies that I used to sit with there every day, and the Aces were playing the Mystics. The Mystics were a juggernaut that year. Uh, Donna Della Vadova or something was her name. I can't remember exactly, but they were they were an absolute juggernaut. They Della were playing Don. the aces. Yes, Della Don. There you go. Mm -hmm. um, we were they were playing at the MGM Grand Arena. We decided a bunch of us will go over. So we drove over and got some tickets. We were sitting real close, probably like maybe like eight or ten rows up. We're having a great time. Half the people I went with were drunk already. It was really a fun time. I bet on the Mystics pick them because they were the juggernaut that they were against the Aces. Um, at about two minutes to go in the half, it's Mystics up by 18. Now, it's not, you know, a lock by any means, but an 18-point lead in the WNBA is not an 18-point lead in the NBA. It's a big, big lead. I'm going to probably win this bet. We felt the building shake a little bit, but it was really imperceptible, and the the game continued to play on. So, about a, you know three or four minutes later, it was halftime, and we heard okay there was an earthquake. But again, in the building, you didn't really feel anything. Okay, so I thought okay, no problem. I got a winner here, right? Let's play the second half. They just start delaying. They start looking at the court. They're <laughs> deciding maybe they can't play. Meanwhile, remember, they played two minutes of time, of real time, after the earthquake. Post -quake. And everything was fine. Yes. There was an actual earthquake that happened in California in the desert and somehow rolled over to, to Vegas to try to destroy my bet. You know that Hashem guy, if he can't beat me by any means, he starts earthquakes, you know? So anyways, long story short, this halftime went on forever, about a 45-minute break. It looked like they were going to play. Then the ladies came out. Then they weren't going to play. They had a big discussion. Yes, no, maybe so. And they end up not playing. We don't even get a refund for the damn tickets. And I get my, my, my incredible push. You didn't get a refund for the game ticket is what you're saying. Yeah. Oh, wow. So you were out the fee for the ticket to the game, and yet you didn't win your bet that you were up 18 because of the earthquake. By the way, how quickly did you figure out? Like, how quickly did you learn? Oh, because oh, if it was imperceptible, you didn't even know there was a quake. How quickly did you learn about it and then realize? Then how, how, how quick after that did you say to yourself, oh, wait a minute, they're going to, they're going to stop this because of this nonsense? Well, because there was guys walk, like in suits walking on the court, and it was like you could tell like th things were not normal 
after about 15 minutes during halftime. But then, like, we were asking people, like, that looked official. They're like, oh, no, we're probably going to play after all. And no, we're not going to play. It was This went on for, by the way, the amount of time that we waited at halftime, they could have played the second half. Right, but I pointed out to you at the time, I was like, Todd, you know, there's the, there's the hanging, uh, you know, it thing. It didn't move at all. In the thing. <laughs> In the middle of the court, at some point, that could fall down and crush human beings playing the sport of basketball. What was you don't want to risk that. What was my response? You tell me. What was the response? I think it was get another 10 ladies. <laughs> another 10 ladies. That's, I don't think that's appropriate, Todd. I don't. Anyway, I'm sorry about your your earthquake bad beat. I apologize for that uh, on behalf of Hashem, if I can uh, be his messenger on this one. But, uh, no, it's, 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 not, uh, it's not about you. I'm just going to tell you that. It just has a way of finding you somehow. It, it's it, it is pretty unbelievable. Or, by the way, you brought up that soccer bet. I I had a soccer bet on the um, that game where the guy almost died yes. the other day. It was a yes. couple weeks ago. Christian, Christian Erickson. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I had the, the other team not to score, and the other team didn't have the ball the whole game. It was like they were they weren't going to score. Finland, I think, was the was the other team or something. But the you know the guy almost dies, and the team decides to quit. It's just. You know, you can't make it up some of these games. Oh, I mean, was, you do win some miracles. Oh, you felt the victim on that one, too? The poor guy had to have his heart restarted on the on the pitch, for God's sakes. Todd. All right. It's terrible. Okay. It's terrible. Then just stop the game. That's it. <laughs> Todd wished to have everybody recounting bad beats. Uh, Todd, uh, I know you wanted to, the reason you really wanted to be on was talk about NBA most improved player market for next year. So next time you're on, we'll absolutely talk about that. Definitely. Definitely. I actually want to talk about 2023 market for that. Because, <laughs> you know, if you don't get in early on this stuff, you miss all the closing line value. On okay, goodbye. Todd Wishstep, everybody. From his mom's cork attic somewhere in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Thank you, Todd. By the way, you can follow Todd on, on uh, Twitter. Always entertaining. At T Wishstep. Thank you, Todd. Uh, we'll come back. We'll do our midseason baseball report. Five innings, first innings. Umpires with Mark Borchard next, right here on a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, 
as well as my straight shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to A Numbers Game with Gil Alexander. Discover BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Sign up today and win $100 if you place a $1 wager on any NBA Finals game and either team hits a three-pointer. Regardless of your bet's outcome, simply use bonus code VSIN100 when you place your first bet. Enjoy the finals more than ever with BetMGM. New customer offer paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, D.C., or West Virginia only. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gamble problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, Virginia, and D.C. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. In Tennessee, call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Skill Alexander, this, ladies and gentlemen, from an undisclosed location somewhere in Arizona. I guess we can give the state. An undisclosed location somewhere in the desert, anyway. It's base winner at base winner. I gave your state away, Mark Borchard, everybody. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing good, Gil. That's that's okay. It's a big state. It so is there's a, big a lot state. of desert. They still can't find you. By the way, just want to follow up on uh, something we uh, talked about with the bad beat because someone was telling about the hostage story. Tim Lawson from the Better Life uh, informs us that there was a there was a game PSG forward. Uh, Angel Di Maria was substituted off early during a match in March, uh, on March 14th, rather, against Nantes because the family had been held hostage during a robbery at his home. Nantes went on to win the match 2-1. to one. That, is, that is a bad beat. I hope his family was okay, by the way. Uh, okay, let's do our midseason thing. For those who listen to the Beating the Book podcast for many, many years, uh, they know that you and I used to do Q1, Q2, Q3, baseball, derivative market, uh, updates, quarterlies, if you will. So let's do our Q2. We did our Q1 earlier. We'll make this part of the Beating the Book podcast this week as well. I know you're going on vacation, so uh, we'll wrap up the other parts with uh, Jason Weingarten and Paul Sporer reviewing our bets from early in the year. But let's do our thing. Let's let's go to the easy ones quick. These are widely available. A site like Covers.com has these. The most profitable teams in baseball this year. Let's just do it. Just money line, most profitable. The Seattle Mariners. The Seattle Mariners, 
who you have talked about as like, how in the world are they still in this? Uh, they're 45 and 40. If you had bet the Mariners blindly every single game this year, and by the way, if you're doing that, you're probably doing this wrong. But let's say you have as either a dog or, or a favorite. You'd be up nearly 19 units, 18.85 units, Mark. Uh, San Francisco, no surprise next, 18.71. Boston, 18.47. No surprise with San Francisco and Boston, but man, there is, well, I mean, I guess there is. There's a surprise with all three of those if we're talking from before the season, right? Yeah, absolutely. Those teams have exceeded their their preseason expectations. Uh, you know, people were down on Boston, Seattle, and the Giants. So, yeah, it is a surprise, Gil. Yeah, all three of those north of $18 in your pocket. Fourth place is $10 fewer than that in Tampa Bay. So it's those three teams and everybody else. And, uh, you know, when Seattle's 45 and 40, San Francisco's 53 and 31, and Boston's 54 and 32, and not, nothing was expected of any of them, really, preseason, that, that makes all the sense in the world. Now, the biggest hemorrhaging of money uh, by far, what team would that be, Mark? Any guesses, or do you know the answer to this? Somewhere in Arizona, the Diamondbacks. <laughs> yes. 34.9 units. First of all, this is a bizarro exercise, right? Like, you shouldn't be betting the Diamondbacks every single game, let alone maybe, you know, maybe even one or two you shouldn't be betting them. But 34.9 units down at the midway point or just crossing the midway point of the season. I, I don't know this off the top of my head, but as many years as we've been doing this, that might be the worst number at Q2 that I ever remember. Do you remember anything worse than that? No, it, it's pretty low. And and you know what's surprising is it's not like they're huge underdogs every every night. Right. It's like they're favored today, believe it or not. They're minus 120. So, like, you, you see these these lines and you're like, well, I I mean, I get that's that's the reason that they've accumulated such a, a unit loss, too, is because they're not like huge underdogs every every night. Yeah. And most of those, no surprise to people, will be on the road. Of course, they had that epic losing streak. They're down over 20 units, almost 21 units on the road. But really, 34.9 units overall if you bet them blindly every single game this year. Second place and third place, not even close. Minnesota would be the next worst, down 18.5 units for, for blind bettors. Baltimore, 16.5 in the red for blind bettors. Um, again, how much of this is predictive? How much of this is narrative? That's the point of this exercise. Some of it you might be able to glean something predictive from, but maybe a lot of it's narrative. I don't know of all those. Would you say Seattle is not something that's predictive? Let's just start there. Like that will yeah, not continue. I, was, I would say that of all those, Seattle's probably the one that I would, I would bet against if I had to go bet blindly against a team. Because we talked about my expected standings. You know, they're 45 and 40 on the regular standings, but on the expected standings, they're 38 and 46. So there's about a seven-game difference on what they should be based on their uh, sabermetrics to what they are. So, yeah, I would, you know, I'm looking to fade some of these teams at the top three and the bottom three of, of those expected standings. And that, that would be one team that I would be looking to fade, Gil. For sure. Generally speaking, obviously, night to night would be uh... – you know, its own little thing, but generally speaking, that would be the case. The other thing that, that sort of strikes me is this, and I don't remember this from other, you know, halfway points of the season, just how big the drop-off is from some of these top teams in these categories to the next group. We talked about the top three in money line, or just in terms of making betters money, and then it's a huge drop-off after Seattle, San Francisco, and Boston. When we go to run line, the San Francisco Giants are by far the team that has benefited betters most. If you had bet them on the run line, that's to win if they're a favorite, minus one and a half runs, to uh, lose but at plus one and a half oftentimes get within that to only lose by one run. You'd be up 20 
8.5 units betting the Giants blindly on the run line, whether as a favorite or dog this year. Second place isn't even close. Like, there's not another team that's even in double digits. I mean, which I don't remember ever seeing a team, maybe I'm wrong, that is that way far out ahead in what is really a, a sort of de facto power ranking of teams. And then on the bottom side, not quite as big of a difference, but one and two, but still a, a like a seven-unit difference between the Twins and everybody else. You'd be down 25.1 units betting them blindly on the run line. So when you talked about the Giants on one end and the Twins on the other, predictive or narrative on both of those? I don't. I think that the Giants are, is probably more uh, are more. I think there's some predictive to to regress. So I think it's more narrative, I guess. Yeah. With the so, Giants. Pre, so you think it will regress? Minnesota? Do you just think they're bad at baseball? Or you think that will get better? No, I th- I think that they're they're going to regress too. In fact, they're the second unluckiest team. They're 35 and 48 uh, by the conventional standings, and they should be 42 and 40. So I think that that'll. Go the other way, Gil. Okay. Uh, Chris Flexen still the most profitable pitcher. If you had blindly bet Mariners games this year, when Flexen's starting, you'd be up 8.65 units. Savale of Cleveland is second north of eight units, as is Casey Mize of Detroit. Um, Gilbert of Seattle also north of eight units, if you had bet him blindly this year. And then the pitchers uh, that have hemorrhaged the most money, if you had bet them blindly... <clears throat> Pardon me, Lopez for Baltimore. The Orioles four and thirteen in his starts, almost eight units in the red. Castillo, Luis Castillo of the Reds, who folks had so much hope for, uh, but the Reds are only five and twelve in his starts. You'd be down seven point eight units with him, and then Dunning for Texas, you'd be down seven and a half units. Um, Texas four and twelve in those starts. So again, you know, flexing with the Mariners being eleven and four in his starts, like his numbers don't support that at all, do they? Yeah, I don't think that he's even league average in his in his XFIP, Gil. Let me yeah. just pull him up. He's 4.85 base winner ERA. So, I mean, that's got that's just luck. So, between him and the Mariners being lucky, that might be a a bet against moving forward. Yeah, and again, that's the thing with with some of these. You really got to glean what what helps us with bets and what doesn't. Let's talk about umpires <clears throat> because you don't have you do have historical numbers. This might be something we can latch on to. The most reliable over-unders, excuse me, over-umpires, in other words, when they're behind home plate, their games behind home plate have gone over at the highest rate. Greg Gibson, six games this year behind home plate calling balls and strikes, all six games have gone over. Uh, Shane Livensparger, five games behind home plate, all five have gone over. Uh, I want to give enough sample size. Sean Barber might be the the biggest one, though. 14 games behind home plate calling balls and strikes this year. 12 over, only two under. And then the other six out of seven have gone over. Lance Barrett, Carlos Torres, Dan Iasonia, and Edwin Moscoso. Anything historically consistent there? The one that jumps out is Greg Gibson, and he's he's about 12th in my over over the last. It's a five-year weighted average. The top three that I have an over umpires historically, based on this is a sabermetric number, uh, Marquez, Wagner, and Mark Carlson. Those are the three umpires that their sabermetrics, uh, strikeout percentage, walk percentage, and ground ball would indicate that they are over umpire skill. Okay, but Greg Gibson, some historical uh, consistency yeah, yeah. there? Yeah, he, he's the one that, that that's closest to the top, Gil. He's, he's about... I don't know, 13th or so. Okay, so when you see Greg Gibson as the listed uh, umpire behind home plate, keep that in mind, uh, that he is not only uh, historically 
uh, an over umpire, but is also one here in the first half of 2021. Under umps, Trip Gibson the third, nine games behind home plate, all nine under. Chris Guccione, six games behind home plate, all six under. Lance Barksdale, five behind home plate, all five under. And then six out of seven to the under, Sam Holbrook and Tom Hallion. Anything the there? Old- Trip Gibson is number eight in under umpires. Uh, so that was the one that kind of kind of stuck uh, stuck out to me. Uh, the top three sabermetric umpires over the last five years, uh, Rehack, Jeremy Rehack, Adam Hamry, and Doug Eddings. But Trip Gibson is uh, he's number eight, Gil. Those are to the unders you're talking about. To the under, yeah, yeah, to the under. <clears throat> Doug Eddings is always down there. Uh, year after year after year. I'm trying to see where Doug Eddings is offhand right now. Can't find him uh, for this year. But those are those are interesting numbers. And again, in the case of, in this particular exercise, in the case of Greg Gibson to the over and Trip Gibson to the under, both historically uh, over and under respectively and also in the first half of this season. That might be something we latch on to. By the way, site like StatFox gives out those umpire listings pretty early. Is there another website that people can go to for that? Yeah, it's called. It's on Twitter. It's called Umpire Crew. That's Umpire one that, Crew uh, on Twitter. But you, but you can always know once you get a home plate umpire for one series, they rotate. They go first to first base to home plate, and then second base to first base, and so it, it rotates. I guess that would be uh, counterclockwise. So you can figure it or out. Clockwise, well. rather. Figure it out yeah, as yeah, well once, from that point forward. Okay. Once you know the home plate umpire for game one, you'll know the home plate umpire for the rest of the series. All right, we'll come back. We'll do five inning numbers and first inning pitching numbers with Mark Borchard. And we'll talk NBA with Dan Bespris. It's a numbers game at VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening.